Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast where I, and like many people in this sphere of the podcast verse, as we like to call it, talk to you about films that have come out, classic ones and all sorts from the old ones that you know and love to some weird edgy stuff that you get nowadays and to be fair i say weird and edgy this first this film that we're talking about today with our guests because we have got special guests with us today this film is a weird film it's a horror film most horror films have got like a weird wacky very edgy side to them uh but this one i quite enjoyed and um we'll get more into that later as we get through to the rest of the episode as well as our top five favourite horror films, mine and also my guests as well, and as I've mentioned them very vaguely already, let's get on to that point of the topic and introduce our guests. I've actually got two with me today, the ho- the co-hosts of the Film vs. Film podcast, who, if anyone's been keeping up with our social media, you'll see that I've guested on their podcast twice now. Once was deliberate and the other Probably because I said, oh, why am I not on your 100th episode? That's just mean. That's just rude. Uh, but then I ended up getting on there because uh, somebody dropped out at the last minute, which was very nice of them to invite me on. So I've talked about Mad Max, Italian Job, Back to the Future Part 3 and Day of the Dead. All brilliant films, uh, equally as much as these guys are brilliant hosts of their podcast. And it's just an honour to have them on my side of the podcast first. And that is uh, Martin and Boaz of Film vs. Film. How are you doing, guys? I'm going to start off with Martin. How's it going today? Hello there. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Very excited to be on your podcast, David. Talking about smile. Yes, smile, smile. We, we will find many reasons to smile throughout this, be it nervously <laughs> Or, or genuinely. And second of all, let's get on to our second guest and co-host of Film vs. Film, as I just mentioned, Boaz. How you doing, Boaz? Hey, you right. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> Boaz is the chill one out of the three of us. I feel like... <laughs> I, I feel like Am I the well, nervous wreck one? <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't say you're the nervous wreck. I feel like you, you, you're, you're very, you know, you've got that host sense yeah. about you whereas uh, yeah boaz just does anything and anything mm. goes yeah he can just <laughs> like, he, he could be like sit, sitting there s- s- yeah literally for a price <laughs> the road prize i'm here <laughs> oh bless you guys no it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on board and um yeah as martin has just said we yeah, are sorry, discussing your intro. <laughs> oh no, that's all right. I was like pulling out. I'm like, you haven't said smile yet. Smile. No, no that's fine. That's, <laughs> we, it's fine. Uh, to be honest with you, um, we like to cut to the chase here, and we will get straight to it. So today's episode is all about the 2022 horror film Smile, which obviously, as you know, involves a lot of smiling, but not in the happy, fun, rainbow, sunshine way that we normally would associate a smile with. In this case, it's a very creepy, very intense horror film with like thriller elements here and there and yeah we're just going to get stuck into it really to be honest guys um let's just start off with a brief lowdown on what the film's about and little details about it so i'll give you that first for anyone who's listening so smile is a 2022 film directed by parker finn uh it's also written by him as well it's actually parker finn's directorial debut uh and this actually is a well it's based on but is also a follow-up to what he calls a prequel short film now a prequel film called laura can't sleep and basically that is it's in reference to a character that is in this film which we'll get into more as we get through the episode but basically this film was it's very much in the same vein that damien chazelle 
did Whiplash, and he did the short film Whiplash, and then it evolved into the feature film version of Whiplash. So that came out in 2020, the original prequel version of Smile, uh, and then Smile came along in 2022. And so it's written by Parker Finn, and it's got various names that I'm not going to lie, I didn't actually know who they were before I watched this film, and when I looked their names up afterwards, they're not familiar people, but the main character is played by an actress called... um, Sosie Bacon, who plays a character called Rose Cotter, who's a therapist who witnesses the suicide of one of her patients in a mental facility. And we basically follow her character throughout the narrative, seeing how she deals with the strange, mysterious goings-on of what she believes to be a curse, that she has been cursed, something or someone has cursed her because she has seen someone die and she's plagued by smiling people who are all around her. And it's a very, very basic way to explain that, but that's basically what the film is all about, is how this therapist is trying to escape these crazy people that she sees that no one else can, and everybody's convinced that she's going mad herself. And it ultimately ends up in a massive climax of burning rage, and I use those words with very great um, emphasis because burning is a Mm. very specific theme with this but we'll get more into that there will be spoilers ahead as you can imagine it's kind of it's kind of pretty vague what the thing is like it's a yeah. curse or it's either a curse or a ghost or a demon or, Literally. or is it just in her head Eldritch being oh. there's so no many. fucking way that's in her head no <laughs> way there's i don't no even way. think that makes sense narratively no unless it's this a mental me illness that you catch from seeing somebody uh, you know execute themselves Maybe, Um, maybe that might be the thing. I mean, we can discuss more of that in a minute. But what I want you guys to do, though, for me first is um, what were your I want to hear from you guys now, because I've done enough talking now. So Martin Boaz, we'll probably start off with Martin first, segue to Boaz second. What were your first impressions of this film when you viewed it for the first time? Well, I wasn't a massive fan of this film, to be honest. I think... I don't know how we came up with this choice. I can't remember, but I, I think it was spurted it. on. It's it was spurted <laughs> on by mine and Boaz's um, okay. fascination with it. I think before we recorded one of yeah. your episodes, and I'm pretty sure that me and Boaz were like, "Oh yeah, it's worth a watch." So yeah, we we basically right. made you watch this, and we were like, "Yeah, let's do an episode on that because it's a it's a new horror film, and it's um yeah, yeah. not in the same vein of some of the classics as such, but a." Uh, Sure. It's got some good moments, but yeah, so you mm. didn't like it to start with, you say? No, I, I was a bit disappointed, if I'm honest. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> like, much. the pace of it was really slow. I've, um, and I don't normally cl- complain about length, but this film was way too long as well. Mm. You know, I feel like you could easily trim 20 to 30 minutes off this. There were scenes that were just basically the same, but just uh, with a different with the same outcome but with a different character so i wasn't yeah that there are a few scenes i quite liked but like certainly the first 45 minutes to an hour i was like come on guys let's move on (laughs) let's get going here i do do get that actually to be fair it's like you say there are bits that do stand out and that i enjoyed as well um but the timing i think timing in any films these days like modern blockbusters or ones you know the ones the films that they want the audiences to come out for the audience like pleasers then shall we say so be it superheroes or you know gory bloodfest horror films sometimes i think you know the standard nowadays is two and a half to three hours basically uh two hours 45 if you want to go sort of in the middle 
not many films go shorter than that. And if they do go shorter, they're usually like those independent movie, like indie movies, like coming of age dramas or, you know, things that don't really require like audience pleasing moments like jump scares or, you know, big set pieces full of blood and gore or fire. If, if we're going to refer to uh, smile in this case by the end of the film. But I definitely do agree that it could have been shorter. Um, but overall, as like as an overall piece, I did really enjoy it. It was genuinely like I don't enjoy many horror films. I think most of the time they're for the most best part of them they're a little bit too bloody in places. And I don't mean that as someone who's like, oh my god, I can't stand blood. But I do think that the like it was it was clever in a way but i do like i see what you're saying that there are things that were repeated that didn't need yeah. to be repeated so they could have been you know you could have just done one version of it maybe a second iteration just to sort of reinforce what was going on with it so for instance you know um in the case of smile um it's the moments where the doctor so rosie cotter dr rosie cotter she sees various um people and looks at various instances in the past of who this has happened to, who this curse or whatever this mysterious entity has done in the past, um, looking at versions of what it's done to people. So mm. the premise of this is basically for anyone who hasn't seen it and spoilers ahead is that the, this entity curse thing, whatever we're going to call it is basically it gets passed on. It's, a, it's basically a glorified horror version of tag, basically. It's a tag in horror standards. Uh, and I think that, you know, it, it wants you... So the idea is you see someone die, so they kill themselves, and then that's pertained to you, and you become the crazy person, and then someone has to witness it for it to be passed on. The only way to completely kill the curse, or whatever this is off, is to basically die unwitnessed. Uh, which I think at various points, mm. which is what but Martin's actually on about, is or kill the, someone apparently. Yeah, or yeah, kills. Kill uh, yeah, kill someone else. That was it. Yeah, kill someone else and have someone else witness it. So then you stay alive. I, the general premise, like you get that repetitive nature of like she does investigations and it's very sort of it, it, it's you get the point and you're like, can we just move on? Can we maybe do something more interesting? Can we maybe learn more about this weird creature? Boaz, what about you? What were your first impressions of the film when you viewed it for the first time? Well, the first time, even the second time, I, I do absolutely love this film. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm not on board in, in the same sort of criticism. <laughs> I think, I, can't, I don't mind the length, to be honest with you. I think it spends a lot of time building the atmosphere. Yeah, there's quite quite a lot of creepy moments in this. I think the mystery of the creature, the fact that, you know, she's trying to find out what it is, whether she's mental or if it's a ghost or what the fuck's going on and how to beat it, but that this is never really resolved. And <clears throat> I find that kind of unnerving. You know, uh, I think yeah. whenever uh, you have, like, questions answered, well, then you can stop thinking about it. I kept thinking about yeah. this for a couple of days because I'm like, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I genuinely look, quite liked it. Yeah, it was in my head for quite a few weeks actually afterwards. I kept dreaming about it and stuff like that. So yeah, no, so I yeah, no, my first watch I, I really, really did like it. Uh second watch, you know, there's some some scenes obviously that don't hit as hard, you know, once you've seen it mm -hmm. a second time or whatever. Yeah, no, genuinely I still quite like it. I like uh, I like the main actress. I think she's really good. Um, yeah, I think she's she's really good actually. I, she kind yeah, of I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she she reminds me it's I, I don't know, the whole film 
and I think when I saw the trailer for this as well, when I first saw the teaser for it, like, Sosie Bacon, she just, she reminds me of Sarah Paulson when she was in Glass. I don't know why. I mean, it's not okay. obviously like <laughs> they're, they're both like psychiatric based yeah, yeah, professionals, sure. but I feel like just the way they look, the way they've been done up and the way that it, they are shot on film, it just, they have that similar vibe about them. Um, but that's not a bad thing by any means. I actually quite like that. Uh, and I do like her as like, I didn't, you know, like most women in horror, like for the, like particularly for like the eighties and the nineties, they're basically just screamers. Uh, and the, you final know, you girls. get <laughs> final girls, all of that stuff, you know, the classic tropes of horror and female act actresses, female characters uh, where they just come in and, you know, some of them might put up a, put up a bit of a fight, but then ultimately they end up just screaming really loudly and just <laughs> going to the death. But I do think that genuinely the, the main character of Rose, she, I didn't get bored of her. That's the one yeah, thing I can I say. Personally, I didn't get bored of her. Yeah. I really was invested with her very much. So, you know, Boaz is very passionate about this one as much as I am but you know I, I feel like that's the one thing out of this it, even if we pick this to pieces the lead actress I will never really fault her in terms of her mm. performance and just the characterization and the way she's been written she's mm. not your traditional stereotypical yeah. you know final girl or screamer or whatever you yeah. want to yeah. um, go for in the horror genre uh, but yeah, is it anything else did you guys want to pick up yeah, on so, or mention? Um, you know, I, I quite liked her as a, a character uh, in general. I think uh, she's, you know, she's a nice person and she's been through a lot. And obviously, you know, with the suicide and the, this thing after her. So she's going through quite a lot. And, I, you know, it's kind of pretty, uh, like, I don't know, you know, kind of unfortunate or sadistic. I'm very much with her. And she has even, like, a way out. So I think she's also pretty smart, mm. you know, how she's sort of piecing this together. Um, and she's obviously going through the trauma of her, her mother and all this other stuff. When she even has a way out, which I totally would have taken if I were her, that you can just murder somebody, mm. she decides to, yeah. no, I'm going to, like, just, I'm going to sort this out on my own. And yeah, and when she kind of wins, I, and I, I just, I always feel kind of, like it's uh, uh what's the word like in poor taste that she loses do you know what i mean that she dies mm. i'm like man mm. she really didn't deserve that yeah so i quite like her yeah yeah i think i really like the reveal um but i felt like it came like too late in this film like they could have played with that dile dilemma a lot more if it came mm. a lot earlier rather than having repeated scenes like the f the first ther therapist scene felt a bit pointless to me <laughs> Because we know it's not a, like a mental illness. We know that. And it was just yeah. obvious that she wasn't going to help her. You know, and it was always going to be a dead end. That's that scene, really, with, with, the, mm. with the therapist. So See, I would say with the therapist scene, like, I know it's a bit sort of cliche, probably, I'd say, to say this. But I think in this film it would work if you put the scene of her and the therapist at the beginning of the film... So then yeah. nobody knows anything. We just mm. assume that she is mad. And then we go back to see mm. what it is. Yeah, and rather yeah. than obviously end the film, rather than end the film with her back at the therapists, because obviously it's the middle of the film. Well, so, well, semi, it, it's yeah. not the beginning. <laughs> it's not the end. It, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, we would probably prefer that a little bit more because then you'd be, you know, it's a different way of structuring it. Cause I'm very much a fan of doing, 
you know, flip, uh, flipping things up and yeah, changing yeah, things yeah. around um, for like dramatic effect. But I think, yeah, I, whilst I do, uh, I kind of don't agree about the therapist, but I don't mind it so much uh, as Martin does. But I do think that, you know, if you were going to change it, then maybe put it at the beginning so that no one knows uh, what her scenario is. And then you make your way back up to it in the middle of the film. And then you realize that she's not crazy. And then we go forward with the rest of the events, but that would just be me as a little suggestion uh, for how they could change that up. Um, because, but I do think it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. I think. Yeah. yeah I, think, I, think, I think in that scene, all she wants is like the medication. Yeah. Yeah. She just, I just give, yeah. just give me the, the drugs. The scene, like, <laughs> because I was actually, I've, I've, no, I've been kind of, move yeah. on. That's fine. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've, I've been kind of thinking about this since the film, but like, when she demands medication, she doesn't get it. One of the things I was thinking... Hmm. So I, th I think mainly the therapist is there so that they can do that scene much later, which, to be honest, is my least favourite yeah, scare. Uh, yeah. yeah, the misdirect. Hmm. Um, like, much later. That's kind of the only reason she's there. But one thing I, <laughs> I think would be interesting, maybe if they play with a sequel or whatever, is if the medication actually would have helped. Because the creature yeah. seems to go after her well, it seems to really like her because of the trauma she feels. So maybe, because mm. I've often thought about this of like, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, Pennywise, the dancing clown, who this, yeah. this is very much yeah. like it, you know, to be honest with you. You know, Pennywise goes after fear. And I've always thought, why don't you just take yeah. like antidepressants or Prozac or just something that doesn't make you feel afraid? Would he just like leave you the fuck alone because you're not producing <laughs> the chem? I'm just saying, like, why isn't that the go-to to like let's just do loads of drugs, you know, and just keep ourselves <laughs> really happy, you know, just really, really happy, I mean, so this thing you, doesn't. Can you, you know, imagine? Isn't like, the wrong you know, type of floating? Doesn't have the taste for us. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the wrong type of floating there. Yeah. Can you imagine though, in um, either well, smile or ick? Can you imagine if they go? Do you know what? I'm just gonna get high. Yeah, I'm just, just gonna get, get high. high get, take, take some, yeah. uh, take it, take a high as as, as yeah. such, and try and make myself, you know, forget about all my worries, all my troubles, pack them away, and yeah. literally, I, I, I just love to see what actually would happen if they actually put that into, like, maybe they can put that in the sequel for Smile because there is yeah. going to be a sequel. Um, so literally, I think, I think I, they should experiment with that sort of stuff. Like, if he tries to infect mm, a, a stoner, and he's like. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm doing all this health. shit and you don't care, you know? I'm trying to freak you out. He's just like, whatever, mm. man. Um, <laughs> Literally. Well, to be honest, I, I feel know. like they would never do it because obviously they've covered all of the Pennywise stuff, but I feel like that would be very... Mm. They could play with that a lot in it because obviously Pennywise... He's a clown, and you're just like, yeah. "What's so? Uh, what, what's uh, what, Why the long face? You're meant to be a clown. You're meant to be funny, aren't you? Meant to enjoy. You can come and enjoy this fun with me, man." And be like, "No, I thrive on your fear. You will fear me, you stone shit." Yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, absolutely, I do agree. No, I, I think the answer to all horror film issues is get stoned. Sorry, I did like that scene where you do discover where, you know, okay, she's got to kill someone and she walks into the hospital again and and goes to try and kill Carl. Even yeah, it was kind of stupid, but I loved the way like Carl, played by Jack uh, Sojet, is just laughing at Rose oh, while God, she's yeah. still stabbing him. Yeah, <laughs> That was great, even though like Carl Penn is just standing there doing nothing <laughs> out of shot. Yeah. Yeah. So that scene was like really fun, but a bit stupid. But, yeah. yeah, just a little bit stupid. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we'll talk about the creature as a separate bit in a moment. Um, but first of all, I'd like to talk about the scene 
where we first get introduced to the crazed nature of this curse, this entity, uh, and right. that is yeah. the character of Laura Weaver, a graduate student, and she she saw her professor kill himself right in front of her a few days prior to the therapy session that she's in with Rose. Uh, and that's basically the main material that, if anyone's seen, whoever's seen the trailer for Smile, that's mm. the main thing you're introduced with. And to be honest, actually, the one thing I like about this film is that the marketing was... Like, yeah, it showed you other stuff, but for the most part, at least the first part that I saw, it definitely sold it on... Like, I thought we would see this Laura, this Laura character. Didn't know what her name was before, obviously, until I saw the film. But I thought that Laura would actually be more of a main part, an integral mm, part of yeah. the film. But they actually took a leaf out of Hitchcock's book, and that is killing what you would think would be your main actress after not even yeah. not even 30 minutes but after a, yeah. like a very small portion of the film and getting it because literally within 10-15 minutes yeah like you say she's gone and you're like she's literally the one on the front I'm pretty sure she is the one that's yeah, on the front of all the posters the promotional yeah. bits um, and you think that's really I think that's really clever like for a modern horror film mm. normally you just get a poster or a trailer and they show you all the stuff that you're going to see and you're like oh why do I even bother watching this I know what's going to happen mm. but I do think the fact that they marketed it with this young girl this young character uh, and then she wasn't even really that integral to the film at all other than passing you know doing this horror tag then passing it on it's like yeah. you're it um <laughs> another it uh, yeah. but the i think that was really a genius move from both you know the writing and also just in terms of the marketing as well the fact they chose to do that i think that was a really nice opportunity how did you guys feel about that scene in general and how it was played out i think the the way it was shot was very nice as well like very simple straightforward yeah. to the point um but yeah you guys give me some thoughts on like your experience with that particular scene and yeah. what you think about what yeah. they did in terms of the marketing and stuff but do you want to go first Mark? yeah i thought it was really good mm. um yeah I, I did enjoy that scene admittedly yeah and you know there's some really great simple stuff and and some really great kind of slow pans to reveal to reveal her smiling i think that's what's great about this film as well they've kind of cast a lot of people with just really creepy smiles yeah. <laughs> um because you could easily cast this very wrong it's like well that's not scary but but they've all got brilliant creepy smiles, yeah, smiles. And, you know in the first time you see that in in this scene it's it's really yeah. effective and and i kind of i do like it how it's kind of played out they take their time with it with the dialogue you don't really know when it's coming when that reveal is going to come because obviously mm. you've seen the poster uh, mm. well i mean she's on the poster so you you kind of it subconsciously it's in your mind that it is coming and there's no particular rhythm from parker the director finn parker to tell you there's no signifiers to tell you when it's coming yeah. particularly so i quite like that but I, I think also just the gore of it as well the fact that you see yeah. the broken vase on the floor yeah. and you don't hear any a crash i don't think yeah and she's yeah. got like yeah because that was that was interesting done, and done she by, stabs um, her yeah. face yeah but like the all camera the way around and, yeah but the camera work and the sound <laughs> design as well because uh when she's freaking out yeah. from seeing something you know uh, there's all this noise and music and the camera's going nuts and it's going to her and all the and then all of a sudden when she's on the phone it's just dead silent and then the camera just pans very slowly yeah. you know and like and then she's standing and, and it just to be honest you know, it's very yeah 
Honestly, it is so well done. And I joke about, I say joke, I mentioned Hitchcock earlier, like killing what you think is your main actress after so many minutes early into the film. They also, this this film as well, very much it emulated the Hitchcock side of things from Psycho with like the strings and the music, yeah. which yeah, I think particularly... Yeah, the score particularly, was really good. I really you know, like I, I think, you know, generally horror scores, I don't think they don't always get the best rep because generally like they're either copy and paste jobs or the, <laughs> the very basic, uh, like, and no offense, like you're more invested in like the kill, uh, the blood, the gore, or, you know, the psychological stuff that's going on in, in the film, the actual visuals themselves. And like, whilst the sound design can make and break a horror film, uh, you know, sometimes generally it's your classic, Oh, you know, you're in a horror film, you hear the strings, which is the case for smile. But I do think that it suits this one. I think some films that do the whole, oh, let's use creepy psycho-like strings, it, it really yeah, doesn't yeah. come across well. Whereas this one, I think, because of the, the crazed nature of the characters that we're delving into, I think it works really nicely, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I think the creepy smiles and strings work really well. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> but I think... You know, not many, there's, I can't remember which one it is. There is a film which literally does a cut and paste job. It literally takes the psycho strings and it's just, it's terrible. I can't remember which one it is, but it definitely doesn't do that, the use of that music any justice. But like you say, Martin, the score for this, I, I was very impressed with the score considering I don't always, you know, if it's good, you shouldn't really notice it. Um, if it's really good, then obviously you will notice it. But the general rule of film always is the fact that you should never be able to actively notice the music unless it's been, you know, obviously shown off and showcased. Yeah, I think the the music is definitely doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Like, because it's very creative and and very, it's got a very unique sound at times. I remember that the the one with the with the cat where you find out that that she's put unknowingly put the dead cat in that kid's in his in her nephew's oh, present. oh no you've got some amazing music there that bit that crazy. literally that bit um, gave me nightmares afterwards because I, I i'm <laughs> i'm a cat owner as well so i literally i hated that i absolutely it was good don't get me wrong it was a good really intense scene but i absolutely mm. hated that i was like <laughs> like it like not be not not hated in the sense that i'm like i'm going to find um, Finn Parker, I'm going to hunt him down for, you know, <laughs> he, he's caused sacrilege. No, um, I, I just, it was so eerie, so creepy. Mm. Like that's, that's stuff like that. It was really like, if you pitch that to someone, oh, we're going to have a scene where the main character, everyone thinks she's crazy, but she's trying to get through everything. But ultimately she's going to, um, like there's going to be this dead cat that's going to be in a box in a birth for a birthday present for a nine year old. Mm. And it's going to put everyone against her and it's going to, and that will lead her onto her yeah. journey. Like if you pitch that, it doesn't. And she a table yeah. while still holding a dead cat. Yeah. That's pretty oh, messed God, up yeah. shit. Really. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. It's very messed up. I didn't up. really see it coming either with the cat, even though they no. telegraph it, but I was like, oh, okay. That well, it's the, the way it was put together, it was very well done. And I just think mm. that, you know, you get that sense of, if you can see it coming from a mile away, then it's not good at all. But with this one, you could actually, I didn't find myself knowing, like I did go, oh my God, I wonder whether that's the cat right up until the bit no. where they started referencing the cat and started you know, cutting between the two and making out, you know, oh, is it, is it not? 
it was tense for you know i'm making such a big deal out of this but i really <laughs> think that the pacing of this in terms you know some of the like if you select certain scenes the pacing was really good uh and it built it up nicely um as a cohesive piece i think it, it, it's messed up in the sense that it's just all over the place in terms of like like this this shit happens this shit happens like what's going on <laughs> like this poor woman like you know she's been through the ringer with a mentally ill mother mm -hmm. and now she's got a crazed entity coming for her um killing cats and making her look like a crazy lady at a nine-year-old's birthday party but what else can you say what else can you say about this poor woman <laughs> yeah i i mean i did really like the music but i, I did fe feel at times it was like used as a bit of filler uh mm. to kind of keep you going through this film because for me, it's like the music and Sozy Bacon that's really dragging you through this film, certainly in that first hour. Because like a lot of the other supporting cast are either kind of, well, they either annoyed me <laughs> or they're a bit bland. Like the therapist is a bit bland. Like her sister Boyfriend. was really annoying. <laughs> and Boyfriend as well. Her, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he the boyfriend. Really boring. I, was like, I mean, the boyfriend boring. literally is just there. <laughs> I mean, uh, by the time you get to the end of the film, he's literally just a cat. He's going to be the carrier. He's literally only there for like mm. to be to be passed on yeah, to. Like, the, the I don't think he really serves much. Like, he, yeah, I think there's yeah, there's so comedic, I, I, I like, will, well, I will agree that that, that, that that is a huge uh, thing that I, you know, that I I will give you for the f film that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so the, the main actress, Rosie, she's incredible, but yeah, there's nobody really mm. as entertaining as her or f for her to yeah. balance off of that, that it's as good. Yeah. So. She has to work so hard with like all yeah. the levels of misery she has to She's, she's, she she's to really do. doing the heavy like, lifting. help me out here, yeah. people! <laughs> yeah. She's struggling. Doesn't get any yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. It's very much like that. No, um, I agree, like, I agree with get, that. Like... Um, they could have tried to get like maybe... You know, other actors, a couple on, more on interesting her, characters yeah, on her caliber or something. I yeah. felt sorry for her at times because there's there's one particular scene that I've called the alarm scene, uh, which was <laughs> annoying because you have like three jump scares in a row. That's all loud noises. I mean, <laughs> come on, people, can't loud you have a, a visual noises. one in there somewhere? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the one thing. And she just has to jump to... several times. Yeah. I'm like, the poor woman, give her something. <laughs> you give her something. I, I like, did like the, I did, the camera I, a bit more. I did like, I think my favourite part of that sequence uh, was the uh, uh, the phone call, where it was like, are you sure you haven't let something in? Like, look behind you, and you're like, oh, oh no, yeah. no. And there's nothing, yeah. yeah, there's nothing there, and then she's not even holding the phone, and you're like, what the hell? I think... <laughs> phone call horror horror phone calls are like my favorite thing yeah. like when they're even when they're done in parody i i just love them like yeah. you know like um like scream like yeah. scream i love oh, yeah, i mean funny. i love the phone Do calls in like scream movies? Yeah. <laughs> Do like scary movies uh no literally i love the phone calls in scream like it's not one that we'll talk about much today it's not in my top five horror films I took a little bit of pleasure out of watching Black Phone recently, the Bloomhouse film with oh, um, cool. Ethan, is Ethan it Ethan Hawke, Hawk, I think it is? Yeah. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Um, you know, the, it's not really anything special because the trailer basically shows you the entire film. But no. All right. <laughs> basically, it does. Nothing new there, then. <laughs> nothing trailers. new there. Nothing new, nothing new at all. But, like, I, I just, you know, the, his voice was really, you know, intense and creepy and he got the phone call acting really down to a t like horror phone call acting uh so i think i do agree actually i i've forgotten about the phone call 
the phone call scene, but that was really, I did enjoy that one as well. Um, it, it's a weird film, this, because I don't, I don't know whether you guys, well, Martin might agree, I'm not sure about Boaz, because I think you like quite a lot of this, yeah, yeah. but I do think that the uh, the film is filled with lots of, oh, I like that, I like that, um, yeah. but in general, like it doesn't create an overall, like, obviously me and Boaz quite like it, but I think for yeah. you maybe, like, you don't like it as a whole, but you have lots of bits no. that you yeah, there, there's definitely, definitely scenes in, yeah. enjoy. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely scenes there where, where I really liked it, but um, mm. there's a lot of scenes where I'm just like, why is this here? I don't know. <laughs> um, it's yeah. not really adding anything. I mean, it's very yeah. repetitive. Like, with Rose trying to convince people that she's not crazy, you know, and they end up blaming it on her mother's suicide. That happens basically twice. You know, yeah. it happens with her husband and her sister. I'm like, do we mm. need both of these yeah. scenes? I'm not sure. I think they're I feel like, I feel like, like soon it... after one another as well. Yeah, it would have been nicer, to be honest, if, like, they did a whole family thing. Like, I don't mean to make this sound like a parody, but, like, they had an intervention, a family intervention, where they were all there and, like, look, look, Rose, we think you're going cuckoo. We need to talk. Is it because of mom's mental illness? I think you need to take some time to look after yourself. We're all here for you. And then she basically slaps them across the face and goes, you're not listening to me! This is not what I'm saying. There's a weird, goopy, creepy thing who's <laughs> smiling at me and sending smile beings after me. Like, you know, you don't understand. You yeah. don't understand my pain and all of that stuff. I don't know why I did just then the family pure American <laughs> and then I made Rose really British. <laughs> but never mind. Right. Um, but no, honestly, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I do agree. They could have put those two scenes together. It would have been nice and then maybe had like an alternative scene or maybe just cut straight to the action that could have worked as well i think this film for me maybe missed a trick here like because this film very much reminded me of those social media like face filters where they just change your face to look stupid and i feel like uh if it was more like oh, yeah. that it would have grounded yeah. it a lot more like the fact that well, you learn it's all in well it, you know uh the fact that you kind of learn that it, the the creature is all in her head kind of thing. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's like the film has given itself an excuse to do kind of what it wants with the scares. Yeah. So when you have like the two fake out scenes, it's like, come yeah. on, <laughs> be a bit more creative. But um, yeah, it definitely reminded reminded me of those like, you know, Snapchat and Instagram filters. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that make you look, look a bit like Walu, Waluigi. The, the yeah. smile make you look like Waluigi. That could, oh, yeah, that, that's that's a that's a creepy mm. image. I don't want to picture that again. Um. <laughs> so I feel like if you grounded it more in reality with that, it would have really got under my skin a, l a lot more. But the fact that it's yeah. kind of very supernatural, it's like oh, okay. I feel like because obviously it's. Um, do you, do you what's think they should um, have um, they should have played with it being more believably like she's a psycho? Possibly. I'm... I think another thing as well is like, I think she ends up thinking it's something to do with like the grief uh, and the trauma from her mother, from her mother's commit suicide. And I feel yeah. like that's not drummed in enough, maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe it's only really had a bit more of a flashback. It's only really drummed in, I feel, oh. in the very final confrontation, the final scene, mm. um, which actually segues nicely into something i would like to talk about next although we've got other things we can talk about let's talk about that final scene that final little showdown between rose and the thing 
not yeah. to be confused with John Carpenter's <laughs> The Thing, although quite frankly, it probably is, um, it's probably Parker Thin's, uh, sorry, Thin Parker, sorry, um, version of The Thing in his head. Because I feel like... For like one shot. <laughs> yeah, for two like shots, one shot. For two shots, maybe. Um, but I do feel like this film, and particularly by the time you get to that last scene, you really do see the influence that classic horror films have had on this one. Because you've got the fact that it's all mental and it's all like in people's heads or it might not be, it might be. So you've got like influences from the likes of like Freddy Krueger from like the dream, like invasions of your yeah. dreams and stuff and the psyche and everything like that and making you really mentally unstable. Uh, and then you've got the slasher element in the sense of like how grotesque the deaths are um, from the suicides that happen because of this entity. Uh, and then you've got, yeah, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing for two shots. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, what do you think about that final scene and how it was done? Personally, just to start us off, I think as much as I sound really overly positive about this film, even though I do agree that there are things that could have been easily improved, I did enjoy how intense it was uh, right up to the moment. And I know the boyfriend, Joel, well, ex-boyfriend or whatever he is, the detective, uh, he's not, he's no way, the best character at all. Um, he should have been an equal to Rose as her mm. partner in crime. But I actually was really happy um, that the curse got put, put, put onto him um, because he was just so boring. Uh, just, like he was there for a purpose, and Yay, he, he served it for like he, he got her connected with with the guy in prison, which we'll talk about in a minute. But like the guy in prison, you know, just to get her more information. But that's literally, other than maybe a little bit of awkward really crappy comedy and sexual tension it didn't really do anything for me yeah. he was just there and i was very very sickly in a way but very pleased when it <laughs> ended not because she died because you know she escaped the curse uh, because of her death and her demise but i do think that you know the fact that he saw her and he was there I was like oh he deserves it he definitely <laughs> deserves it <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah anyway guys what do you guys think about that final scene in terms of you know yeah cinematography should we talk about how it was shot and like the general effects of it first of all i think it was like the pyrotechnics and the fire looked very good like it wasn't crappy cgi fire which makes a nice change so i i did enjoy that um minus obviously the creature from the black lagoon as it were <laughs> <laughs> well um you know the cinematography in that was was pretty good and and it had a great creepy feel to it with you know the, the lantern lighting and things um I did really kind of like the design of the creepy mum uh, ripping open her head yeah, to reveal like loads of faces on top of each other sort of thing. That was cool. Then like opening up like Rose's mouth and it was about to go inside her mouth. <laughs> yeah. That was a great visual image there. Yeah. But I, like the decision for her to go to the house, I felt was just so dumb though. I'm like, really? You've discovered that it you know that the only way to like get rid of the curse is to kill someone so she's not willing to do that okay so she decides to be alone right uh that, okay that's fine let so she goes back to home <laughs> to the really creepy house where her mum commits suicide yeah. okay really because we all know <laughs> we all know at the end of the day when you have issues with a, a supernatural being or mental health the first thing you got to do or the last thing you got to do and probably end up being the best thing in that character's mind. Oh, I must go back to yeah. the, uh, the site, the center of my trauma. I must go back there because yeah. 
It's so essential. They couldn't have done like a showdown on a rooftop and then pushed the ex-boyfriend off. No, no. They had to they had to go for a burning cabin be in the woods. It would have been better. No, they had to go for a burning cabin in the woods. Yeah. So I, I personally, I think the logic is fine there. Um, like, I think she's essentially, right. uh, the way I interpret it anyway, she's assigning herself to death. She's like, uh, I'm going to die, you know, but it's just going to be me. And hopefully this will kill the creature. I think she basically says this. Um, I, I'd imagine the her original home because it's like, I don't think she has a plan of beating the creature, but it's just she's been traumatized mm. by what happened to her mother and doesn't face it. She doesn't like to talk about it or think about it. And I think it's her trying to get closure, um, by, you know, like being in the room, actually thinking about it and, and trying yeah. to work past it. So I, I personally don't think, see a problem with the logic there. Um, I think it makes sense. Like she's going to die. She may as well face her fear. And during that scene, uh, she thinks that by facing her fear, that's uh, you know strengthened her to to kill the creature, but obviously that's just the creature fucking with her. So you know, um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I didn't really I, get the sense that she had given up. Really, the fact yeah. that she was just going there to die. But, yeah, no, and also, I, I personally I got like... that sense. I thought it was just like I didn't she really. she would rather die than kill someone, mm. and you know that's just what she was doing. So I. I didn't really interpret that as her making a final stand or anything like that or thinking she could face it. I think it was just like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die at home and I'm going to die at the home that I've been avoiding for a very long time. I've got to sort of put this to rest before I die. You know, Uh, that's how I sort of interpret it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But again, I feel like with the mother relationship, it just didn't come through enough for me. I think that's where I'm coming from more yeah. so yeah it's just that yeah no i, I think the logic i can I, I can sort of get that so what was it the the first the very first scene you see a woman dying on the bed and i think they do a couple of yeah. uh so there's another thing where she kind of she's dreaming and she sees her mother as well um and mo- most people talk about her mother i think the thing is yeah uh she she definitely doesn't believe this has got anything to do with her mother uh, not even to mm. start with. She thinks maybe it's just me yeah, seeing yeah. this girl die. I feel like that's a mistake. Yeah. So I think to start like, with, it's yeah. very much she's like, I really think it's just me seeing this girl die. But then, uh, you know, after a couple mm. of sightings, it's like, no, this is supernatural. And she's she's trying to convince people mm. this is supernatural. Um, and it doesn't seem like she's terribly concerned about. I guess it's because she doesn't talk about it, you know what I mean? Like, about her mother and stuff. And I don't think you mm. really need to get that to sort of understand her character. Uh, but then, you know, when she faces up to it and then, you know, conquers her fear, I do get what you mean. Uh, I guess they could have related more of the scares or even her, um, you know, hesitancy, you know, make her a little hesitant to believe that this is a creature to start with, but, like, blame it on her, you know... Um, or you know yeah. maybe or, maybe other uh, more uh, flashbacks or something uh, yeah. up, yeah. up until well, you could, you know, her, her mother hmm. uh, commit suicide you don't even see her mother essentially being uh, bad to her um, she kind of discusses no, her at the end you just say that. in a, in a way you were a monster that's why I didn't you know um, yeah I feel that's quite in a I way it's you know, nice because the could, audience you should better show yeah. don't tell I suppose you know you could maybe yeah I think more. that's nice that, like you say show don't tell I think it's nice that the audience get to sort of make their own mind up in that respect where 
with regards to what the mother did, they can make their own mind up about how horrible she was mm. based on what has been said alone yeah. during the course of the film. Well, well, the yeah. bits that have mentioned her anyway. I, I actually um, think a, I, a better uh, decision would have been, uh, you know, Laura is the one that commits suicide. Most of the time yeah. that the creature shows up, it shows up as Laura. Like it, it you know, comes to her house as mm. Laura uh, in yeah. two different occasions. Uh, mm. It's at the birthday party as Laura. And it's outside her office as Laura. I think if it was her mother, you know, that would make more yeah. sense. It's like, well, that this word, is yeah. this is the really thing, the big thing on my mind. You know, not this random person that I just sort of killed. Like my yeah. mother, that's the big thing on my mind. I think if they just yeah. replaced I, I, Laura with yeah. the mother. Um, I think, yeah. I do agree. Sense, I think that would make a lot of sense, actually, because yeah. although you can kind of play with two different kinds of logic in that respect of, like, the way the world of Smile works, because the way that the director, I've read things about, like, how he sees this world that he's created, and he's very much, it's clear that he's got, like, established rules and stuff, and the way he likes the world to work and wants the world to work and the way he's put things in place. I, it could have worked either way, because I feel like... On one hand, the way it seems is, oh, she, the last person she saw and the person that killed themselves that has passed the curse on is the person yeah. that she will see. But then ultimately, it would have been way more creepier and you could still go ahead with it now if like there was a change in something or like change in the psyche that every time, once the curse has been passed on, every time you just see the person uh, that is connected to your highest most like yeah, core trauma yeah. um but yeah. obviously that would change the premise of like the film and such because obviously like not everyone at least the way it seems to be anyway from my understanding not everyone who has like sin you know in this little chain of events not everyone will have um the same kind of trauma which is like one single person maybe it might be multiple people which actually to be fair actually you could like, say, for instance, it, it targeted a young person. Like, that could be... It could change form several times. It could be, like, if there's, like, a group of kids that bully, like, this teenager, it could be... Or, like, a young, like, 20-something then mm. who, like, really make this person's life a living hell. That could be more creepy because they're constant change, constantly changing faces. Uh, and that would sort of yeah. really cement this supernatural essence that is this entity because they can mm. flip between it's not just one person because by keeping it as one person like keeping it as laura or even just keeping it as the mother then you know that it's well you get the Im implication that it's a curse uh and it's you know it's very much there's a connection there's a link there's a chain whereas if you have that constant changing face and changing appearance a bit like the way Freddy Krueger works in Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, where he's got this constant, you know, facade of, you know, there's Freddy, there's the people that have, like, particularly in, like, the third Freddy Krueger film, where uh, literally torture tortures the kids in their dreams, and it's their fears and traumas as, you know, it's their personal to them, but yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just one person, it's multiple people. So, again, th I mean, that might have been Sinners nicking the idea from that, but I think it no. could have worked in this universe, in my opinion. I think, like, with, with Nightmare on Elm Street, like, their rules are kind of established very, very clearly. I think with this, an issue is the fact that, like, we're very much with uh, Sosie Bacon, where we're discovering what's going on mm. uh, w with with her, you know, in this film, and they're kind of working around the scares as you go, as we're discovering new information about this curse. Yeah. 
um, mm. which obviously in a lot of um, elevated horror films or high concept horror films, like the rules are very much established right from the off. And then you're yeah. dealing with pure terror and you can really go deeper into the characters. Whereas yeah. I feel like with this film, they're doing a lot of hard work for them for themselves unnecessarily yeah. unnecessarily because I think, you're trying to yeah. like work in a lot of character work uh, with Rosie and like all the other, a lot of the other characters are yeah. a very one note. And yet you're on this discovery during this film with Rosie uh, with, right. yeah, with Rose um, figuring out what's what it is. So I just feel like sometimes like that, yeah, you know, I can't, the I creativity sort of... of the film, it, it it's a bit wishy-washy with what's going on. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I sort of see what you get, uh, you're going through. Like, uh, you know, in most horror films, uh, you have like some sage character or some piece of evidence where they're like, okay, here are the rules. You know, yeah. this is what it is and this is how it operates. Um, but yeah, that's not kind of how, you know, they find out about the creature, you know. There's not anybody yeah. that knows I anything about it. Um, even the sources she goes through, like none of them know anything about it. Even the guy who mm. seemingly escaped its wrath has no fucking clue why that's the case. Oh, he's just honestly, yeah, he's just he managed this, to do research, and one guy killed another guy, and he was spared. It literally, so, yeah. it brings me it, this. The, that I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. I did want to bring that up. To be fair, the whole uh, what's his name? His name's uh, the character Robert yeah. Tolly Tally. Tally, yeah, yeah? yeah. Um, who basically he's the one that imparts that wisdom yeah, yeah. onto Rose of how you can get out of how it. Out. Um, and I do like the fact that that information's given, and Rose does try and go with it, yeah, but she tries takes a, to, I don't know, takes she tries to it. sort of has a little moral debate with herself whether she will or won't do it. Hmm. Um, and ultimately, you know, we end up back in the same cycle all over again. Um, I did like. I love the, like, because although, yeah, Martin has his issues with, like, the repetitive nature of a couple of the scenes, which, you know, I can understand where you're coming from there. Um, I do think, you know, a nice break from all the detective work, as it were. It's not really detective yeah. work, but, you know, the little sort of uncovering the clues and the facts and all the things that she can find out as much as possible, Rose. Um, I did like the fact that, you know, we got to go and see someone. It wasn't just a case of oh, I'm the only one going through this. Everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Like, it was, you know, it seems like quite an obvious choice to have someone who survived this yeah. issue and this entity. Uh, but I did like how off the wall this guy was. As much as, like, Boaz says, mm. he didn't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a, re a real clue about yeah. what, was, what was really, you know, the yeah, reason on, why. Yeah. Um, but I loved how off the handle um, the actor who played him oh, went yeah. when I he was just that. like... When yeah. he dis when he discovers yeah. when, when, like, when Robert uh, discovers, kill some I won't kill someone, and he's like, "What the fuck?" You know, yeah. I, I like. <laughs> Why did you bring me here? I like Why it. did you do I like this? His, I like his performance there. I really like that because I think. That, I think to be honest, actually. Yeah. That, yeah. Sorry, go. On. That definitely gives you the feeling, like you know, there's you know just how powerful this thing is. Yeah. You know, this guy is yeah. still. I, I think I do, what, what? Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah but to be honest, uh, even though you're saying like there's no established rules and. Uh, she's kind of, I don't know, trying to find what they are if, if they exist uh, through a lot of the film, and, and that doesn't really happen, except, you know, the one possible rule mm. is killing someone. Um, yeah. I think well, the that, thing is with you know, I think this. even despite that, I, I actually kind of 
don't mind that and kind of like that because even though it's frustrating because you don't know what the rules are, uh, I, I think it think makes it that you can rules. speculate more. You can really speculate. It's nice, mm-hmm. actually. There isn't. It's like, very uh, ambiguous. It's very ambiguous. Very ambiguous. Because, for example, it's not really clear. Like, say, for example, she thinks that if I die, it won't pass on. Well, how the fuck do you know that? Like, do you think it's mm. it's passing on through, you know, or is that just the way it likes to pass on? Does it have to pass yeah. on that way? And you think, it, does it need to make people suffer? Is is it feeding off of this? Yeah. Or does it exist because yeah. of this? Or is it just doing it for shits and giggles? You know, is it just yeah. really powerful? Oh, that was, you know that's what? what I was thinking a little bit. I would, I'm like, I they, is love. he just torturing them for shits it and could giggles? Be for shits and giggles. Yeah. It could be for shits and giggles. It could be that he is an ultra-powerful... This is my theory. I think he's an ultra-powerful, yeah. like, basically... Um, what's the word? Uh like Lovecraftian God, you know, some sort of beyond mm. thing. And it doesn't need to feed or to fuck with people. And it doesn't need to be passed on. But this having is just my head. Time. It's just it's fucking around. It's just having fun. <laughs> it likes to torture people. And I think that's yeah. about it. I, I think they might, to be honest, I mean, oh, it, like there's two things I want to say actually about what we've just said. One is uh, Parker Finn, the director, obviously once the sequel had been announced for Smile, which is at the moment it's tentatively being uh posted on for 2024 release um he has actually said in interviews that in the first one so in smile what we're talking about now it's very ambiguous and he's left good portions as ambiguous as he can so that we can explore more of those in future installments um the other thing that i wanted to say as well about in reference to shits and giggles god lovecraftian god which i do love the idea of and i think you know i think If that happens, yeah. If that if that was a thing, I would love to see like some sort of realization of that. That that he's just like he sat on this big, massive pedestal above, (laughs) so this this alternate dimension, and he goes, "I'm just bored. You humans are just like 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 play things to him because ultimately, yeah. Because I think I think that would be great. Like in in every uh, subsequent film, somebody thinks they found Mm. like a rule that this thing must follow. So you know, yeah, like yeah, like here she thinks she's found the rule that. Uh, somebody needs to see you die. It would be great if in the next film somebody follows that same logic and it doesn't matter, it still comes for the person because it's like, these rules are bullshit. You know, I'm making these up. This is just how I like to operate. <laughs> yeah. And I would like, oh, you know, somebody cool. even just like, because this is another interesting thing. What, what if you kill yourself prematurely, you know, before mm. it enters you? What happens then? So there's, there's all kinds well, of stuff. Well, you're dead, like, so. Yeah, no, I know that. But, <laughs> well, yeah. It doesn't matter for you. <laughs> but does it pass on to you? Does it pass on the curse? Is there a curse? Or will it just, like, mm. randomly pick somebody? Does it have to, go, you know, go yeah. through this? Thing? So, uh, yeah, there is a lot of ambiguity. I think it would be interesting like, if it's just, yeah. there is no escape from this, you know. This mm. thing I feel like the sequel should this. be called... I think the sequel should be called Smile 2. Let's turn that smile upside down. And, and he just changes it up and just yeah. changes it to frowns, massive frowns. Yeah. Nah, yeah. It's like, Smile 2, turn your frown up. No, turn your... No, I can't even say turn your frown upside down. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I wish it was that. No, that would be if the film was called Frown. Turn, and then Frown 2, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> no, honestly. No, but I do I do agree with you guys. Um no, so many good ideas and like personally for me my own sort of theories about this really that it's like I I do like the idea of it being some omnipotent god that just wants to mess with people for shits and giggles, but at the same time I do always like this 
Like, I like the connection to the real world. Like, it would be really cool. Like, even if there's still a supernatural element, I would like the, at least if there's a third one, maybe. But, it, you know, even if they just do it in the second one, in the sequel that's coming out in a couple of years, well, in a year, sorry. I would love if they could actually, you know, connect it to some sort of, still be supernatural, but connect it to the real world. So make it, like, I'm very much a fan of, like, oh, they died and then they sprung this, like, magic curse thing or, like, they rose this demon from the pits of hell kind yeah. of thing to do their <laughs> bidding because they were wronged. It, it sounds cliche to say it out loud, but that sort of stuff I do enjoy and I do find, like, even though it's purely fictional or, you know, very over-the-top supernatural, I do find that stuff very enjoyable, like, raised from the dead, like, like the likes mm -hmm. of poltergeist even like it's not my favorite horror film but the way that you know it's all on it's because the house is built on this burial site and that's why yeah. the things are going wrong yeah. and the supernatural stuff's mm. messing with these people that are living on their graves so yeah. i kind of want to not that same storyline but i would love to see something like that maybe being the turnout of like oh, yeah, the events of yeah. of this creature maybe yeah. this creature is connected to someone from like 1865 yeah. or whatever uh, and it really it could, sort it could of be like, solidifies you know, it human trauma personified or you know an amalgamation mm. of traumatic souls or or we could say it's a time travel epic yeah, and it's it it, it's trauma from the future <laughs> trauma from the future yeah. um, uh, and then you know there was an interesting thing because some people had like ideas on like what it even does with the people that maybe it uh, feeds on their souls or some shit like that. And uh, yeah. I had this one theory that the the uh, assortment of smiles, you know, that the face, you know, the face has it has one smile and then another jaw yeah. and another jaw. Oh, yeah. uh, that these are the souls of the people that it's killing. So it's just it's that one I can like see to be honest of souls. And uh, I thought that yeah. would be kind of cool. And that must it must be like increasingly more difficult to enter other people's mouths, though. You know, yeah. the more the, <laughs> the bigger your head gets. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, it shouldn't yeah. really fit into her. You know, and it, like why no. don't a, a jaw like a fucking... hence they cut. To yeah, that bit, yeah. that <laughs> last that really bit in that scene. Yeah. It was very creepy, and I literally I remember very vividly in the cinema when I watched it. I was just there, like, oh boy. God, that is just yeah. That's gonna hurt. Yeah. Whoa! Right. Whoa! Like I was a mixture of whoa, this is bloody awesome, and secondly, yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I loved um, it. I loved yeah. it. I and also, know. like her, her, her acting the... there, I thought was really great because I think the scene was shot <clears> well, and I like the as you said the stripping oh. of the face. That's still, I think that shot where it just pulls its face apart is just so yeah. fucking crazy. Um, but yeah. you know, her her kind. So you of, had a point. Her kind of screams, where it's she's it's like howls of desperation. It's like what the, you know, there's nothing she could do. Mm. And I like when she just goes silent because you know, what can you do? You know, uh, mm. yeah, it was, it was, yeah, yeah it's it it yeah, it horrible, really. But... Yeah, did you have a point, Martin? Sorry. Yeah, you, you guys. Yeah, you guys were saying like the moment that you kind of felt that this thing was really powerful and really quite ominous was when the guy kind of freaks out in the interview room when mm. you know. Uh, Rose says, I don't want to kill anyone, you know. Uh, for me, that moment was when she visits uh, the 
widow of one of the victims and they oh, go down into the basement yeah. and you see all the drawings that he's drawn of what he <sighs> thinks it looks like yeah of what he's seen you know it's kind of vague with that but mm. like all the all those pictures were really really creepy i mm. loved all those designs yeah, i do um, love... that was the moment for me where i was like oh okay this, this i love a good scene powerful. with like crazed drawings or even like when you yeah. watch like detective films where they've got like like everything plastered across the wall like when you get seven. Even, like seven yeah just do a seven uh where they're just mad it's like i'm convinced this is real i know this is real this is it you must understand me and then no one does but they leave a legacy of crazed creativity in the form of their like depiction of what is in their mind like i i do agree like i, I love films that take those characters like i know we're meant to be following the like the detective or like in this case rose who's looking for the answers but i just love looking at the people who have ultimately found the answer but not because of the not in the same way then shall we say that they would have wanted to they found it through madness and i do love what they do visually for those kind of films as well and i do agree some of the designs mm. were very very creepy and like it for a film that's based on an in a little short like independently prequely idea by a yeah. first-time director i do think it, it really hits the nail on the head in terms of being that yeah. audience pleaser but also think, have that independent edge, I think, as well. I think that scene as well kind of reminded me a lot of Bird Box as well. I think oh, God, Bird yeah. Box is, I, th I think for me, has a better idea, but just not as well yeah. executed. Yeah, I think no, this I is kind, kind of, of agree. maybe better executed, but not as a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind yeah. of agree um, with that, actually. Um, but yeah, yeah. In, in Bird Box, the, the idea that uh, the drawings of it are like all over the place, but like really detailed, but very different mm. from each other. And you're like, uh, and that's the same sort of scene where it's like, whatever it is, this man cannot comprehend it, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, just mash right. those two films together, and you got a bloody good. Film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and speaking of different films, um, what I'll say now is, guys, uh, before we move on, just to the final part of the episode, I will take a little lead from you guys. Uh, let's do a little score right. of how we find. <laughs> This film, how would you rank this film? Let's do it out of 10. How would you rank Smile? Martin, do you want to start? Are we are we using decimals? Or... We can use decimals. <laughs> I'd say 0. 0.5, but 0. 0.5. Uh, 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 you can actually, yeah, just do, do, okay. yeah, do 0. 0.5. Do 0. 0.5 just around it. Yeah, I guess, you know, as I said, I'm not a massive fan yeah, of this. Enough. And a lot of the characters annoyed me. The logic annoyed me. <laughs> I was like, really? A, a few times too many, so I'd probably go a six for me. Fair okay, six. Boaz, what about you? Um, Boaz is like, for fuck's sake, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. I, I don't mind. So, yeah. what, so what would you score Smile, though, Boaz? What uh, I'd would you probably score? go an eight. Obviously actually. very different to mine. Yeah, very different, I suppose. Eight. Yeah, I'd go an eight or, uh, yeah, or an 8.2 or something like that. Personally, I would say a solid 7.5, I think, for me, because it's not the perfect film, but I do, like... I said, to be fair, I feel like I'm cursing myself. I feel like I say that about lots of things. It's not the perfect film, but I quite liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say a solid 7.5 for me. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm in the middle. So yeah, we've got Boaz cool. who loves it, like loves, loves it. Yeah, no, I love Martin, it. not so keen. And then there's yeah. me, Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. <laughs> I, it's it, it, it's um, very much like I agree with many of your criticisms of Martin, but I, I do like the cinematography and uh, I thank like... You. So why are you giving it eight? No, because I, I one <laughs> as as much as what you're saying, I really one I like the 
the general outline of the film. I like the creature, the concept of the creature. And I yeah. really like the actress. I really fucking like the actress. And to me, mm. even though yeah, I think you make good. a really good point that she has nobody on her par, I still think she's so good. Like, I just so... I, really I think I would like have it. liked it more if some of the really irritating supported characters died. Like, her yeah. sister is just so yeah, obnoxious. No, I, like, Fuck I know, I, I will agree. Nah, I it's think the boyfriend of me. It's the boyfriend of me. I wanted him honest, I, I think... I think the only like good secondary character is the insane guy in the insane asylum that she, you know, she yeah, is like, yes. he's really yes. great. He's in yes, one scene. scene. He should be like doing this with her, like a buddy cop thing. I think that would be yeah. great. He's in like, break it. he's like less yeah, than a him, minute. Break him out of prison. Yeah, break, break him out of jail. <laughs> I think he was You're like, coming with he's less than this. a minute, but he is like vastly interesting than the whole of the cast put together. Um, yeah. Oh. But yeah. That film I want to see. Maybe he will. He's still, uh, wait, is he? No, is he dead? No, he's still he alive. Dead? Still alive. No, they just dragged. They just maybe dragged he him could come back for the second one. I think he could definitely. No, they could. Yeah, take him break him yeah. for the second one, and he actually gets out of prison. Yeah, and it's like frowning. we get. We oh, get actually, it shit! Yeah, you know frowning. what they should do? They should have the policeman. So the guy, you know, the boyfriend, he's really dull and stuff. He should come into the prison. No, listen, listen. So he comes into the prison. I think okay. this is how they should open the, uh, open the second film. He should come into the prison and he's going to die, you know, and he a he's asking the guy because he wasn't in the room. So he asks the guy, how do you escape this and what have you? And then it's time and he kills himself in front of that guy. And that guy gets it a second time and he's like the hero. And then you're like, he's in a prison. <laughs> With like nobody that'll believe him because it's guards and shit, and like he's yeah. the main guy again. And could you imagine? Because you could do flashbacks that. of his life. He's already been through this shit, and it's gonna go twice as hard. Mm. You know, I think they should do something like that. That'd I think cool. we need to fire the director and hire Boaz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna move on just to the final part of the episode, and that is our top five horror films. Just to solidify this horror episode uh, about this horror film and we can arguably we touched on a few already one of mine has already been mentioned because i i felt compelled to mention it but i will i will do my top five first i'm not going to go into detail about them just l very briefly about why i chose them really and then i'll let you guys tell me tell us about your top five sure. horror films um so my top five horror films i think i've done this before on another episode like earlier in my series of episodes um, but I've revised it since. Um, Smile is not on my list, unfortunately. As much as I Good. like it, it's not on my list. Um, but I'm going to start with number five and work our way up to the top. So number five, it's not the bloodiest uh, film ever, uh, but it is a horror film. It's based on a horror icon, and I do love it as a piece of classic cinema, uh, very much of its time. And that's the 1931 Universal production of Dracula. So the original Dracula from 1931, nice. number five. Because, yeah, you've got to get a classic... Classic monster movie in there, because I do like that sort of stuff. Uh, number four, a little bit more gritty and gory, up to the 70s, 1973's The Exorcist, because, you know... You can't, you can't Very be, nice. you can't yeah. be Reagan's head going <laughs> round and round and round. Um, very freaky. Yeah, One of the yeah. earliest films that made me want to be sick. Um, <laughs> very much on the spot. Uh, number three is more of a new addition, to be honest. It's not as much of a classic horror film in my respects, but um, I do love A Quiet Place from 2018. Yeah, I'd like the sequels. The, I enjoyed the sequel, but the first one's where it, the heart was at. And I did enjoy it when it came out. And it was something very different, very fresh mm. compared to some of the other films that we've had. 
leading up to it. Uh, and then this is the one that sort of divides. Uh, oh, sorry, number two. Sorry, nearly missed number two completely. Uh, <laughs> num- number two. Uh, number two. Uh, this is divisive of why it's so high, but. I do love Freddy Krueger, and I've already mentioned this All once. Right. It's not the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors from 1987, which I always oh. tell people, whoever asks me about this, like, the second one didn't happen. Number three is <laughs> number three is number two, because number three is basically the sequel that we wanted after number one, but they had to prolong it because, you know... I don't think they could get hardly any of the cast back because, you know... So num- number two is, move, is a fever on. dream. It didn't, you know... Yes, number two is a fever yeah, dream. As much of, as it does a lot for, like... one of uh, uh, yeah. Freddy Krueger's nightmares, you know, that he gave you. And, yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, when I nearly won, but it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and I got, I, think, inside, yeah. I got inside a young man. Um, <laughs> re- read into that what you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is what Freddy Krueger was thinking. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I do love that one because of the dream visuals and just... The connection to the original one it is one of my favorites um but obviously the first one is great but the, that does stand out as my favorite because i love some of the cinematography that's in that one so dream warriors all the way and then number one it's an obvious choice but i will never stop getting bored of it i will always love it to the day mm-hmm. i go and that's the 1980 stanley kubrick film the shining um mm-hmm. purely you know for everything going on like visuals camera work shelly duvall being bullied to an intense amount because you know that woman annoyed me so much but i just <laughs> loved it like i know she was put through a lot but at the same time she's got one of those faces that you just want to you just want to <laughs> tell to shut up um <laughs> and i was actually kind of sad gonna pass she... your brains in <laughs> yes and no, i was actually really sad in. when um she pushed yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was really sad actually when she pushed jack nicholson downstairs because i wanted her to go downstairs <laughs> but hey-ho. um not 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 like shelly duvall herself i'm sure she's a lovely lady but like um the character of wendy no i wanted her to go downstairs <laughs> definitely um but anyway so that's my top five so yeah dracula the exorcist a quiet place nightmare on elm street three and the shining that's my top five oh. horror films as it stands over to you, Martin and Bowers. Nice. So ours is a collective one, and we have one film on our list that's on yours. Ooh, <laughs> uh, exciting. Honourable mentions, uh, Halloween for me. I know Bowers isn't as keen on that one. Yeah, can I also have another me, honourable Halloween. mention as well? Like, have, have you ever... Yeah. I just thought of it now, because I didn't really cut, try, contribute much to this list. I was just like, yeah, I like that <laughs> one. I like that one. Uh, and you were just suggesting ones. Um, yes. So, but have you ever watched Event Horizon? Have you watched Event Horizon? Oh, that's a great. Yes. That freaked me out for so long. <laughs> Do yours, hey. Do yours, hey. Yeah, oh my God. And he's plucked out his <laughs> eyes. That was horrific. Yeah, that film was absolutely horrific. Um, yeah, that scared the Love shit that. out of yeah. me. I watched that completely on my own when I was young, and that scared the mm. bejesus out of me. Um, oh, yeah, I think with, uh, Halloween for me is an honorable mention because like i guess now it's a bit dated but certainly at the time when i watched it on vhs i think it's better when you watch yeah. it on vhs because of the grainy feel yeah, sure, that yeah. really yeah. really scared me as a kid Whereas high definition doesn't yeah. quite cut it does it <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, the shining was an honorable mention like i really really like that film we've covered it on our podcast i think why it's not in our top five is because 
I think when I watched it for the first time, I really, really loved it. But I, I think I came into it knowing too much. Yeah, I, mm. I wasn't particularly scared. Yeah. There was too many. I knew too yeah. much about the cultural references. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. No, this is a huge problem um, getting into um, like really yeah. popular ho- horrors and thrillers. Well, generally any film, if it's really popular. You just know it via cultural osmosis. It's mm. like everything is yeah. talked about it and like uh-huh. dissected it. So you know it. You know it before you watch it. Uh, I found it a real shame when I watched The Sixth Sense for the first time because I'm like, yeah, it's a good film. Yeah. But I'm like, I knew everything. Knew I knew. Not only did <laughs> I know. Not ICW only did I know people. the twist. You know, which has just been everywhere. But I knew basically everything that was going to happen because it's like, it's just floating in the air. You know, uh, yeah. which is, is yeah. kind of a shame. It's it. It's why I think they need to invent that thing from Men in Black, you know, the neuralizer. Like, if you want to go and watch a movie, just... yeah, and then you could watch just particular it. films, not your whole memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who the so, fuck um, am I? What is a movie? Five? Why are there colors? Ah. Wait, what? 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 Uh, but yeah, so what's your top five then, guys? What are your top yeah. five films? Do you want to start with number five and work your way yeah. up? Yeah. Uh, so number five is A Quiet Place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good yeah. choice. Good choice. I think it was just a really great, simple idea executed brilliantly from a first-time director from, yeah. by John Krasinski. Yeah. An amazing idea. Number four is another kind of, I would say, modern classic. Uh, and that's Get Out. Yeah. I think oh, it's probably yeah. one of the best films this century. It's so yeah. clever. I think Jordan Peele is one of the best filmmakers around right now. I think he's extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. Um, even Us. I really, really love that yeah. film as well. <laughs> um, the Thing is our number three. Yeah. That is just a masterclass from John yeah. Carpenter. It's so good. We've watched it three times. Paranoia. <laughs> and I still am not bored of that. I think we've done it yeah. for two other people's podcasts and one for our own or, so, or something like that. Or three for mm. three people's podcasts. I can't yeah. remember. We've done it quite a few times. But I never get tired oh. of watching that film. Oh, no. man. That's yeah. such a good movie. Just the creativity in the in the practical effects is just remarkable. So and it still holds up today. Yeah, it, yeah, it really uh, does. Yeah. Uh, number two is, I think, a film that is so important to horror. Uh, the way it, it very much changed the way we see horror, and it's it's a pretty extraordinary film. And that's Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. That is still scary to me. It yeah. really is. Like the scene yeah. when Norman Bates comes out onto the balcony the, the the landing and kind of chases that guy and the guy falls down the stairs oh my god mm. that is still terrifying to me yeah, yeah uh, it's weird actually that bit yeah. because it's it, it's not like it's not real like it, it, it's it's a backdrop isn't it it's back yeah. it's back projected it's really freaky there and do you know what before you do your last one i i, I think to, i think i did that a disservice i think i will do an honorable mention myself i will put psycho as my honorable <laughs> mention um because i'm not gonna lie i didn't forget about it but i feel like i don't know for horror i always associate with something like it's really gritty but obviously with that one it's it's very psychological it's got a bit of grit but obviously 60s sort of fied as it were but no i think psycho mm. i do agree is you know it's the master class in like yeah. the master of like suspense and everything like that so i do yeah. agree with you on that and so it's a very good you, choice yeah and you were talking about it a little bit when we were talking about smile the fact that they kill janet lee like halfway mm-hmm. through i think that well, that was monumental at the time because Jan- janet lee was a big movie star you know and they literally yeah. kill her halfway through the film you're like oh my god what the, what have they done yeah, and you know the shower scene obviously is just such an iconic 
uh, scene that's parodied all over the place. Um, oh, yes. And again, a masterclass of editing there as well. Uh, yes. And our number one, I think, is probably my favorite film of all time. Ooh. I know Baez is probably very fond of it as well. And that's uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Yeah, <laughs> damn right. Uh, so good. Yeah, so I, good. I remember at a kid's at my at my birthday party as as a kid, like ten, twelve years old, I invited everyone round, let's watch Alien. It's gonna be amazing. Only one of my friends stayed with me. Everyone else <laughs> went upstairs to my bedroom <laughs> and watched the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> 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 you know. Only one stayed with me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I didn't know. I did not know who Sigourney Weaver was. I did not know who Tom Selleck was. I did not know who the guy who played Ash was. I can't remember his name now. Um, but yeah, it was just an incredible experience uh, watching that. So scary yeah. and just the whole atmosphere of that film is just unparalleled and unmatched in anything I've seen. Uh, especially in that last half an hour, just, the atmosphere is pretty insane. Yeah, it's really great uh, with with the ship and the alien it's just perfect it's just perfect directing for me from ridley scott yeah uh, it's just he does so many good ones, monster he? so good yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah no i love I, all I think, those uh, um, i would say another uh what was it like honorable mention if you're saying like horror comedies count but i've been obsessed with anything evil dead and that's thanks to watching like the evil yeah. dead too <laughs> which is so good Evil Dead 2 is so good. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, we watched it for our one. I thought it was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other no. honorable mentions for me, I would say The Haunting from 1963. Mm. One of the scariest Ooh, moments I've ever seen in that. that one. The Witch, Robert Eggers' film. A great I need to watch that. horror director for me. Uh, Lighthouse Raw. is another one, to be fair, actually. Yeah. Lighthouse by Robert Eggers is yeah, an I interesting one as well. Time. Yeah, Raw, uh, Julia DeCarnell's uh, film. A cannibal <laughs> coming of age film <laughs> really creative that one uh Ro rosemary's baby as well yeah that was good oh, yeah. Yeah, that was to us i think a um, little sneak peek for anyone listening for take 97 i'll probably be doing an episode on rosemary's baby at some nice. point because it's it's one that i've watched a couple of times and someone said why don't you talk about that and i'm like John, I don't know why, because it's actually it's such a good, like, mm. such a good film. Like, you don't know how good it is until, and how freaky it is until you watch it again. Like, you watch it, you think, whoa, that's freaky. You go back to it again, you're like, mm. I forgot how freaky that was. Like, some of the things, like, like the shower scene in Psycho, the, the blood from the elevator in The Shining, uh, Reagan's head in The Exorcist, you know, um, you've come on a very special night from Dracula, or, you know, all the legendary lines from these horror films, they're like, they're embedded into your head. It's like, it's osmosis, like Boaz says, you know, you know it. But I feel like with Rosemary's Baby, it's one of those films that not, like, lots of people have watched, but they don't often talk about as much. So, you know, it's definitely... Mm -hmm. Again, so Psycho and Rosemary's Baby, um, they'd be sort of in my honourable mentions. They're my two yeah. standbys, I'd say. Right? Okay. So uh, that come to a very nice, easy conclusion. So uh, uh, I just want to say thank you again, guys. So thank you, Martin. Thank you, Boaz. You've been an pleasure. absolute pleasure. Um, it's been great. This went on for longer than I anticipated, which is good <laughs> because... I only usually give myself 45 minutes to an hour of right. actual content. <laughs> so the fact we managed to sustain it for this long, it's actually quite good. Uh, but no, honestly, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. I love, like, I just, I can't thank you enough for actually getting me on your podcast, which has led to mm -hmm. 
two more recordings since then, one for me and another one for you. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful. And if you ever want to do this again, if you're ever mad enough to Absolutely. say yes to me again, I will always be here. Uh, but no, honestly, guys, cool. it's been an absolute pleasure. Keep, um, do you want to just give a quick shout out to your social medias and you know where to find you guys and stuff as well for people listening? So hopefully Steven Spielberg does pick you up, Boaz, <laughs> yeah. on your sequel ideas. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give him an email, mate. Don't worry. Um, so you can find us on TikTok, Facebook, uh, and mainly Instagram at Film vs. Film Podcast. On Twitter, we are FVF underscore podcast. Um, yeah, you can find us on pretty much anywhere where you have found this one. Excellent. That's cool. And Boaz, any last words? Uh, any messages for any particular people you want to send out into the pod sphere? Um, well, I don't know, man. Uh, I'll be with you forever. <laughs> something corny that is an anonymous prospect uh, yes. <laughs> yes I will be uh, in what your he really means is <laughs> yes that, that, that's, a, that's a message for all the directors that yeah. turned down his sequel ideas exactly. <laughs> yeah if you see Boaz outside your window smiling you're in trouble <laughs> yeah. yeah with a piece of vase and uh, and on that note, because we're talking about um, a specific notion of the face, that is a wrap on Take 97, <laughs> a film podcast, the smile edition of the podcast, including a lovely top five horror films with me, your host, David Ingram, and Martin from the Film vs. Film podcast. Goodbye. And Boaz from the Film vs. Film podcast. Sayonara. Thank you very much, guys. I'll see you later on the next episode.